it, it highlights the fact that you know change is 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 a reality and sometimes change can be disruptive and with change comes threats but there are also opportunities so it's being uh quick off of of the mark to be able to pivot your business model to ensure that it is aligned with whatever the current um, market demands. Hello and welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, where we explore more on being a bold entrepreneur leader. I'm your host, Savannah Olo, and today I have with me Michael Abtar. Michael is a founder and CEO of IG Smart, based in London. He uses his experience and expertise in global data privacy and protection to give us insight on why we should care about data privacy and cybersecurity, not only in our businesses, but also in our homes. He further highlights key takeaways from his transition from being a lawyer to an award-winning CEO of a GDPR Consultancy of the Year 2020, and Best Cybersecurity Consultancy Firm 2019. Michael is also an international speaker when he's not running his company by day. He's done quite a number of keynotes and has moderated plenary discussions at global data protection conferences. Speaking of key things to note, he is very passionate about Africa and the role it plays in data protection and privacy. Do you know what GDPR does for you as an entrepreneur? Well, stay tuned and know it all. Join us as we uncover a whole new world from our diverse community of entrepreneurial leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Michael Labtar. So, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today on the AOU podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure. Uh, I was particularly keen to accept the, the invitation, um, having it myself uh, met with AOU you students including yourself savannah and and been right. highly impressed with with what i've heard and seen um from you thank you so much um so as an award-winning ceo of um global data privacy and, and and a global data privacy and protection expert can we start by defining what these keywords are what is global data privacy and protection so in essence, if, if we look at um, this within the business, a context of, of you know, modern global business and, and how organizations operate and the, the flows of data uh, across the globe um, between different partners, different suppliers and vendors, um, different institutions and agencies, it's effectively right. governing the way that that data is processed and handled to ensure that the, the rights of individuals um, are respected and that that data is effectively kept secure and, and accurate um, and up to date and accessible um, to the people that, that need to have that information to you know, fulfill whatever legitimate tasks they're, they're, they're seeking to fulfill. Right. So why data privacy and cybersecurity? Like what drove you there? Um, it started really having kind of uh, qualified and, and graduated from law school and, and practiced law um, across a variety of, of disciplines. Um, I was always passionate about um, human rights um, and right. with data privacy here within within Europe and the UK, 
um, it's enshrined, and as it is within many other parts of the world, enshrined yeah. within the law that the, the right to privacy is a, is a fundamental human right. Um, and working with a, an organization over, I think, 13 years ago, it, I was as a, a law graduate um, in a position in a local authority here in the UK. Um, I was exposed to data protection and also freedom of information laws. And it, it was at a time when many organizations were still in the process of digitizing things and, and moving from paper-based economies. Um, and I saw really the, the potential that I, I, I thought it was going to be a, an area of growth. Um, I also saw that there were significant gaps in the market in terms of people's ability to readily interpret the law into a practical context for, for different um, organizations and, and businesses and, and their, their, their ways of working. Um, so really, I, I, I think after about a, a year of um, doing some ad hoc consultancy in the space, I decided to establish IG Smart. Right. So IG Smart was started in 2009, am I correct? Yes. And that was a year right after the financial crisis. So what was the entrepreneurial climate looking like for you at that time? And considering like, you know, starting a business and looking into data privacy and cybersecurity as well? A very good question, because, yeah, it was a critical point, um, I think, economically, both um, at a global level, but on, on, a, on a personal level, it was quite a a challenging time to embark on a journey to, to start up a business. Um, I was fortunate in that uh, there was a, 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 an organization that uh, had offered a contract um, to deliver some services that uh, okay. I was confident enough that, you know, with, with that client, um, it was a starting point. So we essentially started um, with a single client and a single contract um, and, <laughs> and, and, and developed from, from there. And over 10 years later, you have this amazing platform for you to share your consultancy skills and, you know, apply all the things that you've learned over the years. Most definitely. Um, in that time, um, I've had the great pleasure of being able to uh, build a, a very diverse and, and talented team of multidisciplinary professionals that all have um, domain expertise for, for cyber security and, and, and data privacy. Um, and we now operate um, with our clients operating over 150 different countries. Um, so we, we truly are a, a global business in terms of our presence. Um, and it, yeah, it whilst back to your point around the, the financial crisis at, at the time, there was still lots of, um, you know, programs and projects that involved integration of disparate yeah. systems between, you know, between businesses and between uh, healthcare organizations, between banks. Um, there were still lots of data breaches and cyber security attacks. So it, 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 it didn't really, I think, have a, a significant impact on, on, on this particular industry. Thank you for that. In, in your opinion, why should young entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurial leaders rather care about data protection and privacy? It essentially has become a core tenet of doing business. Um, 
as you set out as an entrepreneur, you will soon discover, just for example, when responding to um, tenders or when having conversations with prospective clients, um, particularly well-established organizations and, and, and the kind of cor global corporates, they will insist upon you having um, adequate data protection policies, procedures, processes, and technological control measures in place to right. assure them that their data that you'll, you will be processing, and, and that may simply be, you know, their employees' contact information, or if, if you're going to be involved in uh, a business that's going to be processing particularly sensitive information, then that level of assurance that your partners and clients will want to receive from you is, is, is going to be a fundamental uh, requirement for, for doing business in, in, the, in the modern global digital context. Right. Wow. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, you started um, IG Smart right after the financial crisis. And currently we are in another crisis or <laughs> rather the pandemic, um, COVID-19. How has that shaped the evolution of when you started and how you're handling the situation now? Like what, what are the key differences that you've seen as you've, you know, grown your company throughout the years? So I think it, it's twofold somewhat for us in that prior to COVID-19, we already, I would say, 95% of the work that we did for our clients um, was remote because they are based um, in, in various parts of the world. Um, so right. it didn't have a significant impact in, in terms of ways of working. It did uh, we had some projects that were scheduled to happen. For example, we were supposed to travel to Asia um, and a project in the Middle East. And, and those things didn't happen just because of travel restrictions. Um, yeah. But what for us, where the focus shifted is we uh, work extensively in with, with, with local and central government organizations and within um, the, the UK NHS and also with international healthcare organisations and lots right. of healthcare um, tech companies as well um, and shifted focus towards helping them and had a number of organisations approach us to, to help them kind of solve quite significant national challenges um, with, with COVID-19 and, and, and how they could uh, effectively process um, information to be able to identify people at risk, um, trace uh, the, the people's exposure levels to, to COVID-19 and, and, and for people to return safely to work. Um, using technologies to to be able to determine whether or not somebody has COVID-19 symptoms. So um, there are lots of complex data privacy and security challenges that uh, when you're looking at kind of population level um, pandemics. So we, we got heavily involved in, in, in some national programs there and also Lots of businesses have, in, in general, just outside of healthcare, be they uh, the fintech organizations that we, we service yeah. or, you know, construction industry or, or local go government organizations, 
they're forced to to now you know work remotely um so that has also created increased risks around data privacy and data security and and a need for organizations to understand um what what they need to do to to continue to work um but to do so in a in a manner that's compliant great and you know speaking of you know different perspectives from you know 2009 to now being starting a company after the financial crisis and now looking at it in a perspective of covid-19 personally as 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 a ceo for you how have you been able to how has how has this pandemic like switched your mindset or you know has 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 anything changed so far in how you address various things throughout life as opposed to like you know just your company i think on on a company level um certainly in terms of ensuring you know putting the well-being of of those that that work for us uh, at, at making that a paramount um priority and it now just saying that you know they they we're, we're not effectively going to do any projects that in, involve us having to um work on on site at least in in the in the short term and for the foreseeable future um so where where we would have um conducted some meetings face to face um now because our clients uh, uh uh all of our clients are accustomed to doing that 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 isn't really a, a challenge for us anymore um i think in terms of being it highlights the need ultimately taking it back to data protection for the need to have business continuity and disaster recovery plans and policies in place that right. looked for the reasonably foreseeable you know disruptions that could be caused to 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 your business so i think as an entrepreneur you you know be it the financial crisis in back in 2008 or covid-19 now um or or many other you know incidents and disasters that have occurred in between it it highlights the fact that you know change is 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 a reality and sometimes change can be disruptive um and with change comes threats but there are also opportunities so it's being uh quick off of of the mark to be able to pivot your your business model to ensure that it is aligned with whatever the current um market demands great thank you so much for that um so the general data protection regulation also known as gdpr is a regulation in the eu law on data protection and privacy in the european union um and the european economic area as well so it also addresses the transfer of personal data outside the eu and eea but of course you already know this but i'm just giving context to the um audience that are listening to us today um what restrictions hinder such regulations getting enacted in africa given its unique economic opportunity um in terms of restrictions i i guess at some levels whilst that you know that we have the african union um the, the states are perhaps not as unified as within you know the the european union so um the 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 ability to uh, apply a blanket uh, approach across africa is 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 not uh necessarily going to be fitting um i right. think also there's a need to understand that 
you know, Africa is unique um, and needs to define what data protection and privacy means for Africa and for Africans. But at the same time, in order to embrace trade and to tap into the opportunities such as, you know, the multi-billion dollar um, EU single digital economy, it's going to be Mm -hmm. essential for African um, businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, governments to to ensure that there are frameworks in place that will allow data belonging to EU citizens, US citizens, Chinese citizens, whichever uh, you know within the global context to allow that data yeah. to flow freely um, to enable African entrepreneurs, um, tech startups and established corporations to to tap into those opportunities. Right. So do you see any potential benefits of the equivalent laws for African entrepreneurs? There are certainly, um, from my understanding at, at this point in time, um, having uh, I, I I was one of the first uh, keynote speakers at uh, Ghana's Maiden Data Protection Conference and and their 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 successive um, conference. Um, I was in Mauritius, as you know, Savannah, where I met you, um, and right. also uh, in in Uganda. I've I've been doing some work with with, with data protection, so I I, I have a, a fair sense of of how things have been developing on on the continent and broadly speaking. Um, the laws are aligned, if not with with, with GDPR, um, certainly uh, at least the the kind of core principles of, of of data protection best practices. There are certainly variations, as 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 you would expect. I think that the the, right. the, the benefits for for entrepreneurs in ensuring that they are aligned with with these these you know, the local laws as well as within the global context, um, I think increasingly it will be the case that, you know, businesses in, in Africa and, and government organizations will be uh, requiring um, these things. Most, most uh, nations on the continent now that either have enacted data protection laws are in the process of, of doing so. So this will fast become... Uh, an African reality. This podcast is brought to you by Venture by AOU, a free course for entrepreneurs. Do you want to know how to overcome entrepreneurial challenges from real life experiences? Well, Venture is an online course designed for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. It features more than 10 AOU entrepreneur leaders who will guide and inspire young entrepreneurs. You can find Venture on venture.aoueducation.com once again venture.aoueducation.com venture a course for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs now back to our conversation great so i'm just going to get into some tech politics i don't i don't know if it's tech politics to you (laughs) but um there's some backlash against uh huawei by mainly western countries arguably due to security concerns so technologies like mobile networks are key to accelerating our local innovations. So from your perspective as a cybersecurity expert, is this something that young entrepreneurs on the African content, con- continent should also get worried about? Or, and if so, 
what precautions can they put in place to avoid this? I think there's certainly a, a concern, if you would, would call it that, in the sense that there, there are already situations whereby, let, let's take, for example, some, some companies don't deliver to some, some countries in Africa um, because okay. of fears of fraud. Um, and therefore, there would be a reluctance, one would assume, um, in some cases, to want to share personal data so there yeah. is a need to build trust um, in order for companies, institutions to um, be able to, let's say, for example, where, where you know, things have been outsourced to, to China or to India or to other territories where, um, for all intents and purposes, you know, there, there are efficiency gains to be made in terms of cost of labor and tapping yeah. into the you know, the, the, the genius minds of, of the people and, and, and in the, the African context, that's there in, in abundance. Um, but there, there, there needs to be that, that level of assurance in terms of if, if, if somebody's going to do business with you and they're going to need you to have access to either their customers' data or their employees' data, um, they, they're, right. they're going to want that, that assurance. So are we looking from a perspective of both parties have to do the KYC extensively for them to be able to, you know, be as cautious as they possibly can, as well as gain or bear fruit from the opportunities that they're getting? Certainly. So in terms of at, when outsourcing any data processing activity to any third party in, in whatever territory they may be in, there is a, a, a need to ensure you conduct, you know, robust due diligence checks, security compliance checks, um, and assure yourself that that party, and not only that party, but any third party or, 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 or fourth or fifth parties that they may subcontract activities to have adequate data protection uh, control measures in, in place. That, that from the, you mentioned the GDPR uh, earlier, that okay. is a, a legal requirement of the GDPR. And within the, 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 the context of that, the, the, the European Commission has uh, designated specific countries that they consider to have adequate data protection laws in place outside of the, the EU and the EEA. And, and those countries are very limited in, in number. Um, so uh, there, there are no um, African nations, for example, that, that feature on, on, on that list. So in order to, um, at least from the perspective of the EU, to, to satisfy okay. EU organizations, um, they, will, they are legally obliged to have to put additional safeguards in place in order to process data in, in Africa or China or Russia or, or, or anywhere else that doesn't have laws that the EU considers to be, to be adequate. So that then therefore will fall on each individual company or organization to, to have the appropriate um, checks and balances in place and, and documentary evidence that um, key stakeholders will require. Right. So 
it's common for a 20 year old in Africa to launch a startup. Um, but what data privacy and cybersecurity best practices should one put in place? There are a number of different things to consider. I think first and foremost, it's important to look at the nature and the context of, of the data that you're processing um, and the, the volume and the sensitivity uh, because yeah. the, the measures you need to be you need to put in place should be proportionate to the risk. So if you're a a small business and you have few number of, you know, very few clients and you don't process particularly sensitive data, um, then basic things like having good training, uh, core privacy and data protection policies in place, making sure you keep that data secure, Um, by encrypting it at rest and in transit, ensuring that you use strong passwords, uh, making sure you don't keep that data for longer than is necessary, Um, only, you know, restricting access to that data on on a need-to-know basis um, and ultimately securely destroying or archiving that data when it it is is no longer required. So... um, through to, you know, if you're a, a global corporate organization, then it, it's likely to be far more complex for you in terms of the, 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 the extent to which you are going to need to go in order to provide assurance um, that the data you process is um, being processed both lawfully and in a manner that is uh, keeping that data secure from constantly evolving cybersecurity threats. Right. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. Um, do you have any final words, any piece of advice that you may want to have for um, the entrepreneurs on the continent or the budding entrepreneurs on the continent? Yes, certainly. So I would say, um, you know, from from the, the, the experiences, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have traveled across the continent and to have um, met many entrepreneurs and, and budding entrepreneurs, including ALU students. Um, it, it really is a question of, I think for me, if I was to say one thing for me was I, I always had a certain level of confidence and, and belief in, in myself, but it wasn't until I truly knew my own value and worth and took the step to say, well, you know, this this is how much I, I'm going to charge. This is how this is our position in in the market, and we're going to own that position. It wasn't until right. I, I I came to that realization myself until it actually happened. So, it really <laughs> your 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 biggest barrier to achieving your own success sometimes. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Michael. Um, I think that marks the end of the podcast episode today. Thank you so much for being with us today and taking time to really, you know, tell us more about your experience with GDPR, data privacy and cybersecurity and, you know, IG Smart and how you founded it and how it's grown over the, you know, past 10 plus years, the awards it's gotten as well. So yeah, we really appreciate you for being on here today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. 
that was Michael Abtar, award-winning CEO by day, keynote speaker by night, global data, privacy and protection expert throughout. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And you can find us on Spotify, Anchor and Apple Podcasts for exclusive access to all the gems of knowledge we drop here. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform. This is the AOU Podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, Real Stories, Real Experiences.